Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of having the sales whisperer on the show today. Wes Schaefer, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Wes, what really intrigues me is this is when you're in the armed forces, and I, and I can see in the background uh, of our video shot that you were in the Air Force, that there's really good leadership training. But in the Air Force, you can have lieutenants that are like spectacular and ones that are not as good. They went through the same training. <laughs> so talk to me about the disconnect, because we're going to talk about sales as well. Just going through the course isn't enough. So let's take a look at the military first, and we'll come back to sales. Yeah, well, it's human nature. Um, look, by definition, half of the population in anything that you do is below average. Yep. But right? if you ask all the population, they're on the upper half. Exactly. <laughs> and so it, it applies in leadership. Uh, you got good leaders, you got bad leaders. Sometimes the, the bad leaders get better. Uh, you know, I remember going back to my, my 10 year reunion and this guy came up to me because um, at the Air Force Academy, you've got 40 squadrons, right? You've got roughly 4,000 cadets, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. So roughly, roughly 100 students, cadets per squadron. Uh, and so at, you, you spend your first year in one squadron, then you transfer to another one because you're getting yelled at for a year. And, and so they're like, we'll send you somewhere mm -hmm. else. So there's no bad blood. You got to hang out with anybody. Um, so I spent three years with this guy in, in, uh, squadron 34 loose hogs. Um, <laughs> and this guy was kind of a geek. We were not particularly close and I saw him at our 10 year reunion and he, and he, he, I was just politely avoiding him. Right. And he, he, he countered, you know, he, he confronted me, right. Like got in my way as I was walking to the bar and he's like, Wes, I've changed, man. I, I saw the light, you know? And then as I got to talk with others, he really had, he, he grew up, he got out in the, in the real air force, we call it, became an F-16 pilot. And he realized the, his idea of leadership and uh, even communication uh, at 18, 19, 20 years old was not quite right. It wasn't quite the, the most effective way to really get people to, to follow. Uh, so, you know, some of the bad ones learn, um, and you know, some of the good ones fail, but, um, it look, it's life, right? It's nobody's perfect. There's always yeah, it's, the ups it's, and downs. I'm a firm believer in, uh, everyone has the right to suck. And what that gives you permission to do is to execute. And as long as you execute and monitor, you can get better. And if you never execute, of course, that doesn't work. But let me tell you something really interesting. Probably one of the best keynote speeches I've ever heard. I don't remember his second name. First name was Charlie, and he had to be like 89 million years old. And he was a resident at the Hanoi Hilton, the Vietnam War. 
And he was saying, you know, this one guy was the glue that held the whole freaking thing together. And they used tapping with wires to communicate because mm-hmm. the guards didn't permit it. And then they would have contests. And the contest was, okay, who, you know, got captured when, uh, how fast you were going and how high you were going. And of course, the Air Force boys, your people were like, ah, I was doing like Mach 2. I was at 40,000 feet. I got shot down. I got captured. And they went all the way down to this guy that was the glue that held the entire thing together was a sailor and he was on his ship and he accidentally fell overboard. And so he said, oh, I was doing like 20 knots and I <laughs> fell like uh, 50 feet and I was not captured. I was rescued. <laughs> and he was the lowest guy, lowest ranking person, but he ended up being the, the morale glue that held everything together. Yeah. Which it, is uh, amazing. Kinda- yeah. You never know. Uh, you never know what you're capable of until you're pushed. Right. And I think we, um, you know, you see the old story that hard men make for good times, good times make for soft men, soft men make for hard times. Yes. Right? The cycle. You know, hard times or bad times lead to good men, strong men. So, um, you need to push yourself. You need to, uh, get uncomfortable and it's hard, right? We, we like being comfortable. Um, yeah. so you got to push yourself to really know what you're capable of. And yeah, you, you never know who the real leaders are. Uh, you've seen, you know, countless stories like from the Holocaust and, and things that people rose up children, you know, uh, in World War II and whatnot, just rising to the, to the occasion. So, you know, push yourself. So you, you know what you're truly capable of. And I forget who said it, but it's, you know, you, it's an old adage that it, when the moment occurs, right, you, you don't rise to your potential. Uh, you regress to the level of your training. Yeah. Okay. So train hard. So in the military, let's go to infantry for a minute. And I promise we're going to bring it back to sales right now. You can get a platoon of soldiers that are strangers. They come together and something magical happens where people go above and beyond the call of duty and they do things for each other that they would not do otherwise. Like, put themselves in harm's way. And oftentimes they're lifelong friends. So then we come into the modern world where we've got sales teams. And one of the things that that you talk about is I'm going to help you build the best sales team ever. So how do we bring people together to build a strong team? Because you've got egos and people have their own hangups, all that human stuff. So Wes, can you tell us about a particular team you helped, how you found them when you started working with them, and how you got them to where you got them? Well, I, I'm kind of like the police, right? You don't you don't call nine one one and just tell them, "Hey, everything's fine. Uh, come on over for a hot dog." Right. Right. When people are reaching out to me, yeah, some are proactively, you know, looking to grow, but a lot of times it's like, "Whoa, things are things are a mess. We need some help." Right. Um, and people will call me all the time and. Um, or like we'll, we'll meet at a function back when there used to be functions, you know, and they go, oh, the sales whisper. So you're a sales trainer? I go, yeah, it's one of the things I do. Oh, can you train my people? Right. And what they expect me to do is get into a song and a dance and start to pitch them and blah, blah, blah. But what I, what I ask them is, how do you know that you have people that are even trainable? Right. Okay. So when people come to me, uh, and we need to realize this in, in any industry, um, 
they something has happened that led them to finally pick up the phone and make that call to reach mm-hmm. out. Okay, so we have to figure out what has happened uh, and what is the impact and who besides that one person really cares. All right, so let me pause you right there because I think all of that is brilliant. But give me a a real-world example so we can actually put structure to it. And you you can change the name of the company so we don't embarrass anybody. But give me a real-life story of this is what was going on, this guy noticed, came to me, and this is what we discovered. Right, well, and and I'm I'm leading to it because it's – People, I've, I have failed probably as many times as I've succeeded because the, the, the client wasn't willing to change. Okay. I mean, I'm working with one right now. They are bleeding membership. Uh, and it has taken six weeks to convince them to take one very small action uh, that we've already seen like a 50% improvement just on the phone, on the initial conversation. Okay. So now they're starting to buy in uh, with, with little wins. Uh, so in, in any business, so when those that are listening, we need to take the time to truly uncover the pain and the motivation and that, that raw nerve, you know, to, to follow our advice. Okay, so I've I mean I've turned around daycare centers, uh, uh, legal firms, laser eye centers. I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> because it, it they're all humans. Yes, um, right, and they so we've got to find their motivation. Um, but you know, daycare we added a quarter million dollars to their bottom line, and they only had ninety six ninety six seats what 22 of them were vacant. You know, I, I took this husband and wife team that they have a, a marriage ministry. Um, something like 74% of the room opted in, uh, to their offer. Uh, you know, almost 200 people in the room. Uh, I just changed how they ask for their contact information. And I did it. I, I met them an hour before their talk, and I just redid <laughs> redid their talk, <laughs> redid their clothes. Nice, right? that's so, important. Yeah, yeah. So you just you got to take the time to understand their motivation and their pain, and then big changes uh, can happen quickly. Um, so one of the things that uh, I find kind of intriguing is uh, we drink our own Kool Aid. Uh, And we think our messaging is so spot on, but Wes, you don't understand. People really need to know about this portion of it, but you see things clearly. And in fact, you have a sword behind you so you can cut away all the bullshit. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, but getting them to believe it and to embrace it are two different things. So they may be paying you, but they fight it. So how do you get people to take a step back and look at it more clearly because, you know, I'm guilty of it. I see things my way. And sometimes it takes someone to say something and me to kind of noodle on it for a day and go, why did they react so badly? What they were saying was actually spot on. So how do you counteract that? Yeah, it's human nature. I mean, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. Yeah. Right. Um, Looking from the outside, looking in, it's easy to see where the issues are. Um, So. What we need to realize is do you, we have to decide as humans in our business, 
Do we want to be right or do we want to be yes. effective? Yeah. No, I want to be right. Yeah. And so that's why your bank account is going to be limited. <laughs> so, you know, it's a right? fair statement. It's a fair statement what you said, but uh, it's how we see the world. It dictates what it shows up like. So sometimes, you know, being right, we think is effective, but it isn't. And you need somebody to hold up that truth that allows them to uh, realize it. Well, yeah. But when I say, look, we're eventually they're going to come around to realizing I'm right. Okay. But yes. you can't just, can't just bash them in the face. Okay. What you're doing? Uh, you're, are you ignorant? How the hell are you even in business? This is amazing. This is the worst. This is the most disorganized company I've ever seen. Blah, blah, blah. Like, no kidding. That's not going to help. <laughs> That's why they call me because things are in disarray. Because maybe they lost their biggest client. Maybe, you know, margins are down. Okay. They know that. I don't have to beat them up. Now, despite that, I understand as humans, we want to be right. So even though they're calling for help deep down, they they want to be told, hey, it's not your fault. It's okay. You know, you did what you could. Uh, any rational person would have made the same decisions. So you have to you have to balance that with, okay, are you really ready, willing, and able to make the changes I'm going to recommend. Okay. That's how you, you prove you're right by getting them results. Okay. You can't, you can't just bash them in the head with it right up front. So when you go into a team and you find a particular team member and you go, you know, Jane, she could be spectacular, but there's something kind of getting in the way. So how do you diagnose individual folks, especially the ones that are doing a good job, but there's greatness there, and for whatever reason, they can't achieve it? And if you can think of a real-life person, that kind of makes your example a lot more real for the audience. Um, hmm. The, I'll answer it broadly at first, but most, sure. com most companies, most sales managers, they spend all their time on the turkeys and ignore the eagles. Okay. And then they're surprised when the Eagles leave. Fly the coop. Um, and, and they're left with the turkeys. Now, granted, most of the Eagles, they don't, they don't necessarily want or need a lot of help, but they do appreciate good, effective help. Uh, they don't want to be taken for granted. Uh, and even though most salespeople are, are in it for the money, um, uh, they are also humans and they appreciate the recognition. Okay. So take the time to recognize them. Um, but it's, it's the old adage, you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. Mm -hmm. uh, what I tell people is if somebody's underperforming, you kind of, it's, you kind of ignore them. Okay. Tell them what's expected. Then get out of the way. Make them rise up and ask for help. Okay. I can't force it. I can't force somebody to get better. I can't force somebody uh, to follow the script. I can't force somebody to follow the procedures that I put in place. Okay. Uh, but I, I've had, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, tell me I, I'm working with a guy right now in, in, in our Monday sales calls. Um, 
and he's making outbound calls because he has to, because that's the nature of his business, who he's calling on. The people he's calling on are not downloading white papers and case studies and free reports. He's got to call them and speak to them. Okay. And true cold calling, true cold calling. Uh, and he, a, he's using the script that I created. B, he's he's following the structure, the timing. I mean, we literally get down into when should you call these people? Um, and so giving him specific time blocks, specific things to say, you know, and the guy's showing up, you know, smiling on the Monday morning calls. Um, his numbers are up. He's hitting his goals. You know, and this is this is right now, you know, January, February of 2021. So, but the crazy thing is I've been teaching the same stuff for 15 years, you know, in good times and in bad, it works regardless. Um, humans are humans. Humans are humans. Uh, so following that now in a way, um, he, he is self-motivated because he joined the, the course, but the reality is it's a family owned business. Um, and he could kind of coast and he has coasted for a little while. Uh, and in working with the company overall, it took a little while, but he has come around. Uh, but nice. he was very uh, passive, uh, not aggressive at all, uh, reluctant to put into place some of the things I've been talking about because he could kind of coast because it's a family business. Um, but he he does have some self-esteem, right? He's got some pride and he's finally come around. And this has all been remote. He's way out in Miami. I'm way out in Southern California, um, you know, but he, he's come around. It's been fantastic to see because it's, um, it's so effective. It's so easy to do. It, it's simple. It's not easy, right? Picking up the phone and calling. I understand. There's a lot of hesitation around that. Um, but what, when you get your, your talk track down, um, you'll write better emails. You'll, you'll, yes. you'll write better marketing content. Uh, it's all, everything, uh, is interrelated. Um, so, you know, Hey, get good on the phone. And she uh, came across this joke that I kind of like is, uh, how do you make a salesperson shut up? Give him a telephone. So Amen. I was working with a client once, uh, and was working on, you know, doing cold calling. And then I go, Okay, get your phone out, and I want you to. I'll get my phone out. I'm going to record you making a phone call to a client, and we record the phone call, just his end of it. And then I said, "Okay, great. Now do me a favor. Who's your best friend? My best friend's Johnny. Call him up and invite him out to the movies this weekend. Calls up Johnny, invites him out for the uh, movies. Then I say, listen to both recordings, and the first one is tightness in the voice." distress in the voice. He goes, holy cow, I had no idea it sounded like that. And I guess a lot of people have done that. But when we played the call to a friend, there's warmth, there's connection. Right. And just that contrast between the two was enough for him to go, okay, I get it. Right. Why it's important. And then, uh, so as you work with organizations, what have been the unexpected uh, opportunities with the pandemic? And what do you think have been some of the things that are getting in the way of sales? Um, you, speaking of the phone, right? One of the opportunities is the phone. Mm -hmm. um, people are answering their phones. You know, the funny thing is they're like their corporate lines are being forwarded to their cell phones. So you, you can reach people, you can text them. 
they actually, now that we've settled in, people are a little more relaxed. Actually, they're not commuting. You know, they have a little bit more time. Um, so you can have some conversations with people. Um, and and you don't have to be worried about a barking dog or a crying baby or whatever. People are more chill um, and, and more, I think, more human in a lot of ways. You know, so that has been good. Um, I think people are, they can use this as an excuse as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because these are new, uncertain times. Uh, you know, the crazy thing is I've worked from home for 21 years and I've been selling over Skype and AWeber and whatever since ever since they were invented. Uh, so I think people had some misnomers about, well, my business is different. I really can't sell remote. I, this is face to face. I like, no, I don't think so. Um, I think people are coming around to that, that they can. Nice. And I think it's just making us so much more freaking productive because there is no traveling half an hour for a half an hour meeting and half an hour. If you're disciplined. You wasted your day. Well, if you're yes. disciplined or you could say, well, I, I don't have that 45 minute commute so I can spend 45 minutes on Facebook and that 45 minutes turns into 90 minutes uh, sure. in the morning and in the afternoon and in the middle of the day because you don't have the discipline. Look, I, a friend of mine <clears throat> I've trained jujitsu with, he uh, was accustomed to going to the office. And when all this happened and all started shutting down when it, last summer, he's like, dude, my gym's closed. I don't have my commute. I'm a, I'm a lazy bum. He's he like literally ate like two bags of donuts or, <laughs> or twink, Twinkies, something like, like two bags of junk food. Right. Uh, and, and one day in one sitting. And I was like, and this was like a, a big, tough guy, a competitor winning jujitsu tournaments, big, strong guy, right? Very disciplined when in his, in his routine. So, you know, I gave him some tips and, and fortunately he followed them uh, and was able to kind of get, get into uh, a good uh, routine, but it was new for a lot of people, right? People have told me all the time for 20 years, you know, I got seven kids at home. They're like, how do you work from home? All these kids, I could never do that. And like, well, clearly you can, because we all have to right now. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, it was a hard transition for a lot of people. And um, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to downplay it, but Hey, it, it's, the, it's the hand we were dealt. So, you know, make the most of it. Speaking of technology and getting better at what you do and CRMs, there are like so many freaking CRMs. You've got the granddaddy of them all, <laughs> Salesforce. And I know uh, you've got a quiz that people can take to figure out which one's going to be the right one for them. And the answer is the one you use. But other than that, mm-hmm. tell us about the quiz. That is, that is the best one. Uh, so it's just crmquiz.com. Uh, it just asks a bunch of multiple choice questions just to help you narrow down uh, the choices. Um, you know, on the one hand, I tell people, like I had a blog post I wrote a long time ago saying that CRMs are dead, you know, part of that's a marketing ploy, uh, but part of it is true because the, the standalone CRM is dead. You know, Salesforce bought exact targets, I think back in like 2012, something like that. It's been, been a while for a couple billion dollars. And they, that does, you know, email and, and marketing automation. And they had already bought Pardot, exact target did. And, they, and Pardot does automation of workflows and processes and whatnot. So even Salesforce has recognized for almost a decade that ha- having a CRM is not enough. It's, 
it's the store of the data and, and you need good, accurate, reliable data so you can then take the appropriate actions. Um, and the, so finding the right platform is important, but you know, there's free tools out there. There's low cost tools. There's, there's very specific, you know, um, unique kind of platform. So that's why I made that quiz. I've been in the space now since 2007 as a seller and trainer, but I've used them as a salesperson since, uh, since really before CRMs were invented, right? We had a we had a client server kind of database when I was selling mobile homes in Mobile, Alabama in 1998. If we didn't enter our prospects info and if they came back on the lot later and bought, we didn't get any credit. But if we registered our leads and they came back and bought, we got 50% of the sale, even if we weren't the salesperson that closed them. So just for entering their data. Uh-huh. So- 23 years I've been logging my customer data in a database. (laughs) Brilliant. Wes, before we part company today, uh, is there a mind hack or a shortcut that you use to make you more effective that you'd like to share with the audience? Hmm. Well, shortcuts. Yes. I'm a, I'm a freak about efficiency. I tell everybody, look at what you do two or three times a day or four or five times a week and have a process for it and automate it if you can. Right. Um, I use a tool on my Mac called Text Expander. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also built into your iPhone and, and into, the, into the Apple ecosystem. So on my Mac, in Safari, on my iPad, on my iPhone, I use the keyboard uh, Text Expander. So I've, I have over 100 short codes that literally, like if you ask me for my bio for this talk, this interview, I can I can send you you know five paragraphs of content with just with the phrase West Bio, <laughs> but at my nice. address, my cell phone number, my my email, my email is long West at the saleswhisper.com. It's easy to to mistype. If I type in Wes and the letter E, it spells out my email. So I'm very productive just sitting on my phone. Right, I can I I, I may be ten minutes early to a meeting. And I can respond to a dozen emails, you know, with content uh, when others might be able to get two done, you know, so Brilliant. I'm a efficiency freak in that regard. Wes, it was a pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 